0: Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like FanFave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Yourself a cold
1: one, they strike them, huh? and listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the College Draft.
0: Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, presented, of course. By DraftKings, I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, you know that. Five teams, seven years, what a cool, cool experience. Especially because it enabled me to get these media gigs and to have these podcasts like this one, one of my favorite ones. Especially this time of year, the college draft podcast with my guy, Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Check him out on social media like I do, at Plan. On Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. You know, you can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can check out Emery's channel. It's very popular. It's the Football Game Plan channel on YouTube. And then footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. You know how I feel about it. We talked about it last week. Those of you that listen or watch the Ross Tucker football podcast know I love giving out winners and signed autographs to those of you that hop on the draft guide that Emory puts out. Footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. A lot of feedback, a lot of conversation from last week's episode talking about Emory's top five quarterbacks. And for those of you that uh, might have missed it. First of all, shame on you. Secondly, just go back. It's a podcast. You can listen or watch whatever you want to do. He had Caleb Williams 1, Jaden Daniels 2, Spencer Rattler 3, Jordan Travis 4, Drake May 5, which means there's several named guys, Emory, that we still haven't talked about, including Michael Penix from Washington. Now, he's a guy, it's interesting. You have Penix at 6, J.J. McCarthy at 7, the two quarterbacks that were in the National Championship game. So because of that, we have talked about these guys a decent amount during the college football playoff and the National Championship game. But let's still recap before we get your thoughts on some of these other guys, and as I love, some of your underrated guys, small college studs. um, You even have a next Brock Purdy category, which is interesting. But let's start with Penix. And I think most people that are loyal listeners or loyal watchers, viewers have already heard what you think of Penix. but let's hear it again, Emery, just kind of your breakdown of, of Michael Penix from Washington as a prospect.
1: It's funny, Ross. If you were to, and I saw someone do this, and it, it makes it look different. Um, if you just flip the video to where he's right-handed, no one would have an issue with Michael Penix because th- then they'll see what everyone is talking about, the top notch of velocity on his passes, the the fact that he could paint the inside corner of a tight window, he can really fit the ball into some tight places. His accuracy is consistent going deeper down the field, especially outside the numbers uh, to those talented receivers that he has out there at, at Washington. So he's a very good passer And the jump he made from Indiana to Washington. There are two different players. In my opinion, the first one in, in, in Indiana was, was erratic in my opinion. The Washington Michael Penix is much more consistent, much more accurate, and much more of a guy that is able to uh, supersede the situation. We saw that this past season just lead his team to come back, win, to come back, win, to come back, win. And I just think that he has a lot of plus-level tools that should help him
0: be a starter as a rookie. So got a strong arm. He's super accurate. He's definitely a winner based on what happened this year. What are the knocks, Emory? You know, a lot of uh, at sometimes, uh,
1: especially in the short to intermediate area of the field, he's he tends to be more of a thrower than a passer. So you need touch to start to get more involved with a lot of these shorter throws um, and a lot of these intermediate throws where you have to layer passes over defenders. Uh, right now, everything is, a, a you know, 95 mile an hour fastball. He tries to like beat him with speed, as we used to say in college. So he is someone that has to learn how to layer those throws that he does on the outside more so on the inside part of his game. And I feel like people will bring up the injury concern, but if you're going to bring up the injury concern, you got to bring up the fact that he's been healthy the last two seasons. So is it a concern or is it not a concern because he's stayed healthy the, the last couple of years and you wonder, okay, when things break down, we saw this play out against, you know, teams that can get pressure. Can he get out the way? Can he be someone that, that does damage with his legs? Cause he's not the runner, Uh, that we now see a a lot of days uh, in college football. He does have some good pocket mobility, but not the type to really get out the way. And you wonder if that's going to be a a situation where he's going to take a lot of sacks as a pro.
0: Let's move on to J.J. McCarthy. This is an interesting one, Emery. You have him as your seventh-ranked quarterback. seen a lot of mock drafts out there that have him going in the top 10. You don't often have a seventh-ranked quarterback going in the top 10 what's 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 going on here like where you have him where you have him other people have him where they do what what do you see when you see jj mccarthy i'm glad you prefaced it and and set it up that way ross because it goes to
1: my process where i am a prospect evaluator i am not a mock drafter you know so yeah he probably is going to go in the first round wherever he goes in the first round kudos to those mock drafters that guessed right my job is to get the evaluation correct and that's based off the tape and watching JJ McCarthy, you can understand why some people like him a lot, right? Because you have the upside, you have the youth, you have the offense he came out of where hey, he wasn't asked to throw a lot, but the throws that he did make, he has top-notch velocity, he's a very good athlete, we've seen that. That's why he took that starting job a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, you have to go with McCarthy because he gives you more on the move. And so the pro- projection is Okay, if we ask him to do more, he should be able to do more um, in in an offense, in a pro offense. However, he still has, as he has good velocity, I don't know if the true arm strength is there, and we've seen that going outside the numbers. Those balls tend to hang. They could be late, and we know late and uh, off to the side goes back the other way. We saw that against TCU in the playoff game uh, two years ago. So, again, there are some things that you like, and then you have to wonder why wasn't he asked – to throw often. Cool. That's something we can, you can find out in the meetings. I don't have that luxury because I'm not in those meetings. Also from a timing perspective, I feel like a lot of times he's waiting for a guy to clear to try to fire it in there in the NFL. That's already covered. If you're waiting for him to open, he's already covered now. So you got to throw a little bit more anticipation. He's good off play action. He's good on the move. He's a good athlete. So there are some things that you can, you could Hey, you could see a plan for him to have success as a pro quarterback. So that's why he's still in my top 10, uh, despite all of those limitations or all those uh, reasons uh, for concern. I laid out.
0: You know, this is another one, Emory, like we talked about last week. If you like JJ McCarthy, the fact that they didn't throw the ball that much, you say, man, can you imagine the numbers he would have put up if they did throw it more? And think about how much success he had and the winning they did, even with limited reps, you know, limited opportunities to throw. You know, this guy gets more of a chance. He could have put up huge numbers. If you don't like J.J. McCarthy, it's, man, why are they running the ball on third and long? Like why? why or why is it like a short screen? Why, why are they not trusting him to make a decision and drive the ball down the field? Because I've already, I mean, I've seen people have J.J. McCarthy as the number one quarterback in this draft. And I think you can spin it either way. It's so funny to me that the narrative can change based on how you feel about him as a prospect. Some people look at his limited throwing as a positive and say, look what he did with what he had. And he could have done even more if they gave him a chance to. Others say, well, why didn't they give him a chance to?
1: Well, and listen. if we look at this from how people used to evaluate option quarterbacks, like your Tommy Frazier's uh, of the world, you know, your Cordell Stewart's, who threw a little bit more than J.J. McCarthy, but still was out of a, you know, kind of an option offense at Colorado, not a triple option like Nebraska. But, you know, the the thing is this, and this is the part that people never bring up. So for J.J. McCarthy, because he throws less, imagine the significance of the throws he has to make, right? So he doesn't have that luxury of just spraying the ball all around. I may only get 16 passes this game. I better make sure I knock out 13 of those 16 because those 16 passes are going to be of the most significance. So I got to make sure I do my job and complete these passes. So imagine that pressure that, that folks don't talk about. So that could be a positive for someone like J.J. McCarthy
0: few guys I, I need to get your opinion on, Emery, that we didn't talk about. You didn't have him in your top seven, but they've gotten a lot of conversation over the past year or so. I guess we'll start with Bo Nix and just the uh, video game numbers he's put up the last couple of years at Oregon.
1: Yeah, and, and for Bo Nix, listen, um, I like that he's going to find a way to make a way. You like that competitive nature about his game, and I do think he's gotten better from Auburn Bo Nix. So just like Michael Penix, we talked about where there's two separate you know, careers. Oregon Bo Nix is better than Auburn Bo Nix. Oregon Bo Nix is finding ways to make plays and finding ways to win. Oregon Bo Nix is doing a great job off script. Oregon Bo Nix is, is doing a, a situational job where he has a strong arm. He's driving the ball in tight windows. He's making plays, bringing the team back. So he's doing a lot of the uh, ancillary things you want to see from the uh, quarterback position. Unfortunately, Auburn Bo Nix does creep up into Oregon Bo Nix's game a lot of times, and it's an in- inconsistent footwork that ties directly to some of the inconsistency that we see from an accuracy and placement standpoint. I still think his deep ball is a little bit inconsistent. So, those levels of inconsistency is what still kind of holds you down from fully setting flight to the Bo Nix playing, right? And that's the biggest thing. Uh, Moving forward, and again, he's an old prospect, so you're going to have to make sure he understands, i got to play a lot better and much more consistent at the pro level than I did in college. So if you saw him at Oregon and you're seeing the positives from it, you you could say, okay, this guy can do exactly what we need him to do in the pro game. And as long as we can get him to flatline his inconsistency, then he has a chance to be a significant starter for a long time.
0: Here's what I know. It's all about game night. And whether you're hosting game day or game night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, the perfect eats. Luckily, you're like Emery. You're a game-time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed. With half a pound of cheese, sauce, other toppings comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic crust pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. You know how I roll. I love me some beer and pizza. Beer, pizza, happy. That's my boy from Pizza Boy Brewing. But if you really want to take things to the next level, when you're drinking beer, make sure it's Labatt Blue Lights. So with your friends, family, whoever, live life to the power of we, always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo, New York. Emery, if it's going to work out for Joe Milton, h- how is it going to work out? Ross, well, so like,
1: I talk about Joe Milton probably every day, right? Because um, someone always asks about Joe Milton. but And it's funny because you think of Joe Milton and you can see a pathway for success. And, it, and unfortunately, it's kind of like what we just talked about with J.J. McCarthy. It's probably going to require you to not have him throw often but throw when you need him to throw, which should make the emphasis on him. I got to be precise and accurate with his pass. I'm thinking heavy run team, you know, run, 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 hard play action, fake, deep shot. Now the problem is his deep ball accuracy. The one thing that he can throw is a deep ball. He wasn't as accurate in doing so at Tennessee. That's the area in the pro game. Those are touchdowns that you leave out on the field. You can't have that happen. So I do feel like someone like Joe Milton in a run heavy offensive attack where he can take timely shots deep down the field. He can, if you want to work intermediate to deep, that's Joe Milton's game. That's your area where you can have success for him. But the consistency on a deep ball is the biggest jump for him because if he's able to connect on
0: that consistently, the sky's the limit. And then last but not least, uh, I feel like a name we should mention. That's gotten a decent amount of attention has been Michael Pratt from Tulane, very Dak Prescott like
1: in terms of his ability to lift an offense, right, um, at Tulane and, and, and you know get guys to believe. They they really love Michael Pratt down there uh, for the Green Wave, and he does a great job in you know making every throw you want him to make. He has a arm, he has a velocity, got better every year. He had two lane for God's sakes in the Cotton Bowl beating USC. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth. So that shows you the type of player uh, he has been for that program. And the one game he missed this year uh, against Ole Miss, they lost a close one. And you start to think, man, if they had Michael Pratt and his ability to run, um, they probably beat Ole Miss. They had them beat anyway. Uh, so his ability as an athlete, his ability as a, as a passer, and his ability to to really be a gamer uh, is what I like most about Michael Pratt. On the other side, the placement has to be consistent. His anticipation has to quicken up. Uh, he's more of a see-it-throw-it type of passer. You need that to be a little bit more anticipatory as a pro, and that ties into his placement. His accuracy is, is hot and cold sometimes. So those are the things that you that worry you uh, about Michael Pratt. So his situation, where he goes, and how he plays. He's going to get a lot of reps in the preseason, which is great for him, because the more reps he's get, getting, the better I feel like he's going to be. So this is one that may be a day-two late day two type uh, pick um, that's going to that's gonna wow some people. He's going to probably end
0: up starting some games as a rookie. Before we get to some of the underrated guys or the small college stud, you got to tell me about your quote unquote next Brock Purdy. <laughs> you know
1: what's funny about this, Ross, as you, you know, I've graded, I'm looking at the, the numbers, probably 80 something, 89 quarterbacks I've graded in this class. And as so I'm deep in the, the the archives watching, you know, tape. And I get to John Paddock of Illinois. I'm like, wait a minute. This dude is throwing the heck out of the football. Like he had a huge game against Northwestern. Um, And you're like, yo, what the heck is this? Then you go and watch the Iowa game. He played really well. Then you go watch him against Indiana. You're like, like why is no one talking? Why wasn't he in the All-Star game? Why was he in the Hula Bowl or Shrine or somewhere like that? This dude can sling it. And, you know, he's good on the move, has great anticipation. All the things that you like, like about Brock Purdy, John Paddock was out there doing it on the back end of the season for Illinois. So he may end up going day three, may end up going undrafted. But when we talk about these preseason stories um, and guy that's, that's surprising some out of camp, John Paddock of Illinois, six feet, 190 pounds, He got a whip-like release. that helps him maximize his velocity and the accuracy at the intermediate to deep levels. Like, this dude legitimately can ball.
0: You know, I watched that uh, Illinois-Iowa game because I did Iowa the next week against Nebraska. Iowa's got a really good defense, and they moved the ball very consistently against Iowa. And that game was at Iowa. And Iowa almost lost because... They got down to the red zone like five times and came away with hardly any – I mean, Illinois should have won that game. Just a typical Iowa game, finding a way to win late. But I didn't even know the quarterback's name for Illinois. I didn't care. I was watching Iowa. But he was pretty darn good in that game. Yeah, and and again,
1: we know Brock Purdy was the seventh – the last Mister relevant. Um, I'm not saying Paddock is going, you know, day two. It may not even get drafted. But I'm telling you, this dude, like his – game is not bad at all he definitely can play
0: man all right let's talk about some of your underrated guys dj irons from akron jason bean kansas darren granger georgia state i did an akron game a couple years ago emory and dj irons watching him on tape and in that game he makes some ridiculous throw i mean they only had him throw deep outs to the far half like that was it's like that's all they did at akron i was like Like let's just make the guy have the hardest throw on the book the whole game.
1: And and it's funny because you was the one that put me on DJ irons Uh, two years. ago. He was like, Hey, keep this name under your hat and, and, you know, add him to your list uh, down the line. And it was him and I'm watching him. Like I watched the Tennessee game and I'm like, this dude's making some killer throws. Like this, like, like you said, the far has deep out on the money, seeds, beans, whatever you want to call it. He was throwing them. Um, And I was like, man, I kind of want to see him throw more. I want to see him do more. Um, Unfortunately, he got injured. So he was going to be in an all-star game. He was going to be at the College Grandeur Showcase. And then he's nursing injury. So he didn't play any all-star game. He's 6'5", 205 pounds. Again, may be undrafted, but we'll get into a camp. If I were him, I would have been on this UFL train right away to get out there and play pro ball if he was healthy. But you, you talk about you know the timing and anticipation and the arm strength to make those deep out throws. He has that, and so yes, this is a guy that no one's talking about. That's a big time sleeper. Being at Kansas, great hula bowl performance. He was. A, I'm glad he played quarterback out there. I know there were some rumors that he may end up playing receiver. But why would you want him to do that? You use that four three. Track speed, 4-4, four, four, track speed at quarterback, and you have the ultimate weapon. And so he played quarterback there. He played re- played it really well. Got a call up to the Shrine game, but had the flu. So he didn't participate in the Shrine Bowl, which is probably why he didn't get the invite to the combine. But unfortunate because he helped save Kansas this season. And his thing is just about consistency. You know, being able to play a consistent game. Because you'll see all the wild throws. You saw in in that, that bowl game against UNLV. Great throws. Then you're like, yo, where are you throwing football here? Like that was just a bad read, bad throw. Um, they end up going back the other way. Flatlining the consistency is where he needs to go. But man, you love the A-plus athleticism. You love the fact that he is a gamer. He be having Kansas competing uh game in, game out against Texas, against K-State, you know, against Oklahoma. He's game, he's
0: ready to go. And he did down, he did well down there uh, at the Hula Bowl as well. And then the last one, I remember talking about this guy during the season a couple of times, Darren Granger from Georgia State. Yeah, it's funny because Granger is someone that um,
1: I thought was in last year's class, and then he ends up coming back. And you're like, okay, well, they got him. To, and he's just, you know, he is, um, how can I, he is like, oh, he is He is G5 Jayden Daniels, right? He is <laughs> Group of 5 Jaden Daniels. He's lean, he's athletic, has a whip-like arm, great leadership skills, Plays above the X's and O's. Georgia State is a very good football program. They're always in these ball games. You go back and watch how he played against South Carolina. You go back and watch how he played in any uh, FBS or Power 5 team they played. He played well. And so when you combine 6'4", 220, whip-like arm, can make every throw on the field You and, and has played a lot. So let, let's say a more contemporary comparison would probably be Josh Johnson. We know Josh Johnson is in his 38th year. Of NFL football I think Granger can be just that like a guy that can you know be your QB two, that can step in and, and give you a good look um as an athletic guy and and push come shove can give you a nice two to three game stretch where he plays really well until your starter comes back
0: Emory I love that you do the deep dives on the small college guys one of the things I love about you who are the small college quarterbacks that we need to be aware of this year well, you heard me talk about this
1: guy a lot, and that's K Peterson at Grand Valley State. Just love the compare the, the, the competitive spirit he plays with. Um he's a tough physical guy. He brings that physicality to the position where he's gonna take off and run. He's gonna find a way to help his team win on Saturday. Uh kind of like Josh McCow in terms of you know how physically tough he is. I thought he did well at the college gridiron showcase. And he is someone that's gonna end up in the camp and stick on a roster because he's so talented in what he brings to the table. Throwing the football and and how he does against the country. And he played again a great conference in the Gleak uh out there Grand Valley State. And Casey Bowman of Augustana in South Dakota is a division two program. Um phenomenal talent, Ross. Like 6'6, 230. Um, another guy that was at the College gridiron Showcase looks the part, you know, and and he's a very good athlete for someone that stands six, six, two thirty. He can move around a little bit whip like arm and you watch those guys play in another great conference the Northern sun intercollegiate uh, conference and, and against like Sioux falls and those programs, you know, really good D- D2 football, Minnesota state, man, this dude is lighting it up. Like every week he was doing something spectacular for Augustana and gets down to the college Ground showcase where you're playing against guys from the group of five and power five, and you're showing that you belong and you're making some of these wild throws. And uh, I feel like someone is going to get him into a camp because he looks apart physically, and when he see that arm and where he throws the football, they're like, yo, this, this guy got the goods to, to really stick in a, on a roster
0: It's interesting emery one of, the, one of the conversations coming out of you know the draft over the last couple of weeks has been that next year's quarterback class that they're not really high on them, but off the top of my head, I'm thinking about Carson Beck from Georgia, Jalen Milro from Alabama. Uh, Quinn Ewers from Texas. The way those guys all kind of finished the year, I don't know. I feel like those guys will emerge as pretty darn good prospects next year. The one
1: person you forgot to mention is QB1 already, Shador Sanders. Had he been in his draft class, he'd probably be pushing Caleb Williams for the QB1 spot. You know how I feel about Shador. He is the black Joe Burrow. This dude has the it factor. He is talented. We saw that all throughout the seasons despite. spite what we saw from that offensive line and that passing game from, from Colorado, he is QB1, and you're absolutely right. I don't know why people are poo-pooing next year's class because you talked about Shador, you talked about Miro, you talked about Beck, you talked about all these other guys. Cam Ward is in that class next year as well who went back to school. So KJ Jefferson in that group as well. So there's a lot of great quarterbacks in next year's class headlined by QB1 already Shador Sanders of Colorado.
0: I love it emory fantastic stuff as always already looking forward to next week when we dive into the running backs and wide receivers the week after that should be fantastic the keg is kicked we are all tapped out
1: thanks for tuning in to college draft make sure to also check out the ross tucker football podcast even money and fantasy feast all on the DraftKings network youtube or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform